0: Then he actually approaches this from a parenting perspective. One might wonder why anyone should seek to forgive a person who has treated him badly and is unlikely to change his or her hurtful behavior. The answer is simple. Forgiveness may help individuals heal psychologically, enable them to be a better parent to their children. It might also reduce interparental
1: conflict. Oh, let's do that. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes.
0: So in other words, it is for you personally, but you're also modeling something very, very important for your child. Yes. Because children know when their parents get a divorce, you don't like each other much anymore. So what we're saying and what this article is saying is that we have a lot to model to our kids and it could make us a better parent to actually figure out how do I move on from this? This is Diane
1: Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles.
0: We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and even agonized occasionally to help people make sense of their complicated
1: families. We were talking one day and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug-of-war rope Or is it worth it to hold on and fight?
0: So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go?
1: Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Hi, Diane.
0: Hey, Rick. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I had a good weekend. How about you?
0: Good. We did too. We went to a little pool party last night and that was fun.
1: I went to a movie with my wife. We saw the new Top Gun.
0: Ah, I heard that was really good.
1: It is really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Someone told me it was good because it felt like the olden days when movies had positive themes and feel good stuff in it and wasn't political. It was just the hero stuff, right?
1: Yes. And yeah. my wife said, and it was just enough relationship stuff in there that I liked it too. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It wasn't a rom-com, but right. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Good. Okay. before we get into this episode's topic, I thought we'd talk about something new that we're going to do this week. That's kind of fun
1: something new coming up.
0: Yeah, we'll still release an episode next Sunday. But we're going to do in between a Wednesday hump day bonus episode. And we're going to do these occasionally. And when we do them, we'll let everybody know, but we are going to introduce it. But then we're going to let you listen to somebody else's podcast episode just to showcase some others out there that might be informative to our audience.
1: Yeah, we're expanding our relationships and finding more resources that might help our audience.
0: Right. And this week, we're going to showcase Step Family Mission Possible. And it's Jen and Bill Rogers who are going to talk a little bit about blending families. So I hope that you all check it out on Wednesday.
1: All right. This coming Wednesday, right? Yep. Okay. I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right. Today, we have an email from Carolina. She sent us somewhat of a long email, so I'm going to pare it down into what I think is her real question. Basically, the story is she and her ex-husband have been divorced for five years. They have a couple of children together. He is now remarried with an infant child, and she's a little perplexed and frankly so am i on these kinds of cases on why he continues to be so bitter and angry and resentful toward her in his behavior and how he communicates with her she said when it comes to making decisions he either ignores me entirely or gives vague opposition such as i disagree but refuses to engage in any sort of bona fide discussion Then when I make a decision based on the very limited discussion or lack thereof, he claims I have no respect for him and that all I do is dictate to him and never include him in decisions. So it sounds like she's experiencing this double bind. Yes. When I include him, he ignores me or gives me these one word answers. It's not really a discussion. When I don't include him, he accuses me of being disrespectful and not including him. So she's kind of damned if she does, damned if she doesn't, right? Right. We know that's pretty common in these high conflict situations to feel that way. I'm trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't really want me to do the right thing. He just wants to be mean.
1: And no matter what I do, I get yelled at.
0: Right. She said that she has final say on all of the issues and... That he has been threatening to take her back to court and get custody ever since he got remarried. And we've heard that kind of thing too, haven't we, in the past? Yes. It seems like the remarriage triggers something, whether right? it's the new spouse going, oh, this is ridiculous. You need to take him back to court or take her back to court and do such and so, or they get remarried to somebody who has a much different co-parenting relationship with their ex. <laughs> and they think well why can't my relationship be like them or why can't i have custody or sometimes even i just want to boot him or her out bring my kids over here to this new family And let's just pretend there's no other ex-spouses out
1: there. Right, right? that it never happened.
0: Yes, let's just make a new family, right? And and forget about the other parents, which is completely unrealistic and not good for the children. And your kids don't want a whole new family. They want the parents they already have.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So she doesn't say enough here to know what's going on in his head or where this is all headed, but it's very frustrating, I think, when you're trying, you're trying to be the best co-parent you can be. Meaning even if you're trying to be business-like, you're taking the steps that we talk about to do that and please the court and following the order and doing what you're supposed to do. But then having these threats, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to take you back to court and get custody. It keeps that other parent off balance. Yeah. And there's some pretty good research that's been around for years that tells us that When the primary custodian is not doing well because the other parent is making them miserable or tormenting them in some way or keeping them off balance, the kids don't do well. So for those of you who think that you're going to get revenge or I'm going to be mean to him or her just because they don't deserve my kindness, I want you to think how indirectly that may be affecting the children. The child's primary parent really needs to be emotionally stable.
1: Yeah,
0: You can be regardless of what anybody else is doing, but it doesn't help to have threats being made, especially about court, which nobody wants to spend the money and the emotional baggage that that all has. So I just want to throw that out there as a warning that you're not just hurting the other parent. You're also hurting your children, although maybe you think indirectly, but they're looking at that parent going, why does mommy always cry on Sunday night when she gets dad's email? <laughs> <laughs> because maybe yep. because he's throwing must more be, threats at her. <laughs>
1: must be dad's email Tom. <laughs>
0: and then how can I take care of mom or dad? Because they look upset or sad and it's just not okay. So
1: yeah. Yeah. It- This is where most people don't understand. We always talk about what hurts the children is the conflict, Mm -hmm. but they don't really take into consideration what the word conflict means. They think it's yelling and screaming at each other. And yeah, we moved out, we're separated. We don't yell and scream at each other anymore. But that's not the definition, not just the definition of conflict where the other person's in earshot or proximity. Mm -hmm. It's where the person resides in your head that (laughs) causes the conflict. And unless you evict them out of that residence, then you're always going to be at risk of damaging or hurting the children, destabilizing the children with that conflict.
0: Yes. And when I've worked with co-parents in conflict, it was always funny to me when they would say, oh yeah, we fight quite a bit, but never in front of the children. I right. if that's still okay. <laughs> right. You
1: know? like, yes.
0: Well, what is the substance of that fight? How many below the belt kind of comments are you making to one another that just reminds you of the old marital stuff? What do you go to bed at night thinking and dealing Mm -hmm. with because of the fight that you had? And if you don't think that is affecting your children, you're wrong.
1: Yes, exactly. So
0: I'm going to put this research in the show notes so that you can look it up, or maybe I'll just point it to a document I'll scan. So back to Carolina's email here, she's struggling with, I think, the practical side of this how do I make a decision or maybe not because she has final decision-making and everything. So just make your decision. But depending on where you live, I know in Georgia, if you have final decision-making on a certain area, you can't just make the decision without informing the other parent ahead of time so that they have an opportunity to weigh in. Yeah. They can't, keep you from making a final decision on something if the court has given you that power, but you are supposed to at least let them know a decision is coming up and I need your input or your feedback. And she says, even when she does that, he is, not interested. Right.
1: Yeah. But uh, yet
0: I'm going to take you to court and he, you it sounds I, like a guy who is mad about what he didn't get in the courtroom five years ago. <laughs>
1: and right. And he's still going to let it go. Yeah. He, he is right. still mad, which seems to, I mean, we talk about a two-year process through the emotional divorce, but five years and you found somebody else that th- then that becomes a personal problem. If you have still, an
0: idea, maybe but, he needs to make his ex's co-parent. Remember, we talked about that in one, of our,
1: there you one go. of
0: our episodes.
1: Yeah, here you deal with her. I can't yeah, you do. Well, maybe it the
0: stepmom would be nicer. I don't it know. Wouldn't surprise Carolina.
1: me. It wouldn't <laughs> yeah. surprise me that the two women could get along better than him. Either well, him.
0: that or the new wife who has the baby may be thinking that. She could be a better mom than this mom, depending on how he's talked about his ex-wife to his new wife. We've seen those cases, too. I've also seen cases where stepmom thinks she knows everything about mothering, although she's never been a mom. Right. And is kind of poking the dad, do this, do that. You should do this. You should do that. And then she has a baby and goes, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. parenting was this hard. Right. And then suddenly they have this newfound sympathy for the mom. Yes. You know? And then they change their tune a little bit. And by then dad's still mad. Dad's still on the war path and the new mom and the old mom kind of develop a friendship, a mothering <laughs> bond. I've seen that happen a couple of times, which is very interesting. So again, we don't know What's happening with dad? He could be a narcissist. He could just be the kind of person who gets angry and holds a grudge for many years. We don't know what Carolina did to him that would cause him to feel so resentful for so many years, but that's really on him.
1: Yeah. It you know, it doesn't matter what she did five years ago. Get some help if you can't get through it. Yeah.
0: So he's not asking us the question, but. There are listeners out there, I'm assuming, who do struggle with this bitterness and anger about what has happened. And I know some situations are totally unforgivable, right? You have an ex who harmed your child physically or sexually or something like that. And I can understand why you wouldn't want to play nice, right? With someone like that, but you still have to follow whatever the court order says. If the court order still gives them some some time after all that happened, then you have to respect that. You have to follow it, even though you have your own really difficult personal feelings. So I just can't think of a situation where we would ever advise, well, throw that court order out and go burn the house down. You know, no. I mean, we just wouldn't do that.
1: Right? No. <laughs> so. no, it's no.
0: So if you have a court order in place and you have to follow it, you really need to reconcile to yourself that this is what you got and find a way to accept it. So I would ask any of our listeners, if you're struggling with what her ex is struggling with, find a therapist five years later, it's not grief anymore. It probably has to do something with an issue that came up for you in a past relationship or even your childhood. I'm a family therapist. so I know many situations where, these kinds of grudges are held within families, extended family, brothers True. and sisters,
1: yes. and
0: parent, child, and cousins, or all kinds of family relationships where people can't forgive. And so let's talk a minute about forgiveness. Okay. What do you feel about forgiveness, Rick?
1: Well, first of all, if you don't find a way to work through it, and I don't mean forgive and forget, that's not necessarily healthy. You can f- forgive and not forget. That's probably for many folks, the best response. But if you don't find some way to let it go or integrate it, then it's going to eat you up. Mm -hmm. In many situations, the other person's not even thinking about it anymore, but you hold it and it's eating you up on the inside, then you're Mm -hmm. the one suffering, not the other person.
0: And you and I have both had plenty of situations where directly after the divorce case is over, the last thing you want to bring up is forgiveness.
1: Oh, my
0: ex-husband or ex-wife just paraded 14 witnesses through the courtroom Uh and to have multiple people say horrible things about me. That's going to take a while to sort of work through that emotionally, right? Oh, yes. But five years later, Yes. The grief process should be over and there should be some sense of forgiveness. Although oftentimes people confuse forgiveness with trust. If you violate my trust, Rick, I should forgive you for my own sake so I can move on with my life and not hold on to bitterness, but I may not trust you anymore. And I don't have to be in your orbit anymore. Right? Yeah, that's what I, I, don't I mean. want to.
1: <laughs> and that's what I mean. I'm not going to forget what you did and right. I'm going to manage my boundaries in a better way, but I'm not going to let you. You're giving away so much of your power if that person continues to have a grip on you.
0: Right. So I found this article from the Wake Forest Law Review, which is interesting because what an odd place to find an article about forgiveness, right? True, yeah. That caught my attention specifically when I was going to say, well, what do the experts say about forgiveness and divorce? And this came up. I'll put the article in the show notes, kind of long and clinical in some places, but I thought it was an excellent look at how forgiveness should be encouraged in the court system. And then one page, he said, scholars have defined forgiveness in different ways. According to psychology professor Robert Enright, and the human development study group at the university of wisconsin forgiveness is and this is their definition willingness to abandon one's right to resentment negative judgment and indifferent behavior toward one who unjustly injured us while fostering the undeserved qualities of compassion generosity and even love toward him or her wow (laughs) now that's That's a a tall order. Yeah, that's
1: asking a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: We talk about you don't have to love them anymore. Of course, if you are religious and feel that you should love thy neighbor, that's a different type of love. It's what you might call the agape love or the love that you have for your fellow human being. In other words, recognizing them as human and connecting with them. However, I think this is important that you would let go of your right to resentment, negative judgment, and indifferent behavior towards somebody Yes. And that's kind of what Carolina's ex-husband is doing, right? He's either ignoring her pretending or being indifferent, not, well, he's not really indifferent because he's, he's clearly sending a message when he ignores or when he only uses one word answers, right? Right. Then he gets mad. Definitely. Yes. Right. Right. So another part of this article states, forgiveness is separate and distinct from reconciliation and need not lead to reconciliation. For example, in order to forgive her batterer, a battered woman must let go of her anger, hatred, and desire for revenge. However, she need not and probably should not have contact with her batterer again. One can forgive and also end the relationship.
1: So forgiveness is For me, I like that distinction between reconciliation and forgiveness. Forgiveness is for me, the reconciliation is for us in some way. Yeah.
0: And then he actually approaches this from a parenting perspective. One might wonder why anyone should seek to forgive a person who has treated him badly and is unlikely to change his or her hurtful behavior. The answer is simple. Forgiveness may help individuals heal psychologically enable them to be a better parent to their children. It might also reduce interparental conflict.
1: Oh, let's do that. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes.
0: So in other words, it is for you personally, but you're also modeling something very, very important for your child. Yes. Because children know when their parents get a divorce, you don't like each other much anymore. I mean, don't underestimate your children and they're not, stupid, right? They have minds of their own and they can assess things pretty pretty well. So what we're saying and what this article is saying is that we have a lot to model to our kids and it could make us a better parent to actually figure out how do I move on from this and begin to treat this person as human even though I don't want to be in relationship with any them anymore.
1: Yeah yeah not even close to a relationship, yeah
0: you're not friends anymore, you're not spouses, definitely. you don't really have to be in relationship because trust was broken, but there is value in be able to being able to forgive and then just have a business like relationship
1: right and again, the benefit is for you and for the children it has nothing to do with the other parent, yes. So from a practical point of view, back to this final decision maker, I run across this all the time that parents confuse joint legal and final decision making. And they think that because I have joint legal, that we have to have a long drawn out discussion until we both agree with each other.
0: And that I can veto a decision if I don't like it.
1: Right. And that is not the case. The courts have determined over the decades of being exposed to this, that a final decision maker must be chosen in, well, in Georgia, in four areas. And that is because the court recognizes it's the conflict that hurts the children. So we're not going to have a conflict in these four areas. We're going to have a final decision-maker, or sometimes we call it a tiebreaker.
0: Right. We're going to empower one parent to make the decision. However, that parent can't just make the decision and inform the other parent later.
1: Right. You have to to get feedback. Yes. But, But that's it. I mean, minimally... And I'm just going for the minimal, you don't necessarily have to go to the minimalist, but you write your email and we talk about the email protocol, but you send your emails. I'm thinking about registering our child for uh, a sporting event, let's say, and I wanted to get your opinion. Well, that's your legal obligation. The other parent writes back and says, no way, I'll never approve this. And then you don't have to respond to that minimally. But when football season opens up, you register them because you're the final decision maker in extracurricular activity. That's the minimalist.
0: Right. So we actually have a paragraph or language for this that we suggest to be put in court orders. And again, I'll put that in the show notes. But my favorite language for this is if you have final say or the tiebreaker on one of the areas. And Rick, what are those areas in Georgia that are determined to be major decision-making areas?
1: Medical, education, religion, and extracurricular activities.
0: Well, these are major decisions.
1: Major decisions. You
0: know, education a decision is not what time do your kids do homework every day, no. right? <laughs> no. But are they changing schools? Are you going to pay for tutoring? That kind of thing would be major decisions. Same thing with medical. A minor medical decision is giving your child a Tylenol for a headache versus some sort of elective surgery that you might have to, or orthodontics that might be quite expensive, right? Yes. Same thing with religion, generally here in the state if you you take your child to any place of worship you want to on your time but a major decision in religion might be getting that child baptized within yes. a certain religion or taking i don't know like catechism classes in in the catholic religion or going to jewish school if you're jewish so there're different things for different religions that might be considered more major than the others And then, of course, extracurricular would be anything outside of school. We talked about that in one of our episodes too. What is an extracurricular exactly? Is it photography, hobby, or is it something where there's an appointed time you go and you pay for it, which I think is probably more appropriate for this discussion. So the language I like is if you have final say or tiebreaker on one of those issues, you send in your weekly email to the other parent. I'm about to make a decision regarding what activities our child is going to be in this year, or I'm about to make a decision about orthodontics because Johnny's been told by two different dentists that he needs orthodontics at age 12, or I'm thinking about changing Sally's school. Things didn't go well there last year. I'm thinking about moving her into this school or a private school. Something of that nature would be a decision that might come up. And I say the language, say, give that parent at least two weeks mm-hmm. yeah. to look into it. And in your email, you provide them with all the information they need, a website, the doctor's name, the school's information, so that they have what they need, that they can do their own investigation. It's not your job to give them all the information, but you should give them enough information that they can make some phone calls or emails to get information just writing back saying, No way, I'll never do that without checking into anything is unfair, but they right. might do that. You can't control that, but you only do your part. I'm yep. Give the information. And in that email, say, I need your feedback by such and such a date. Yes. Now, obviously, if it's changing schools, which might be a bigger decision, you might want to give them a month, right? To give them enough time to maybe go visit a school or whatever. But you decide on the time frames, however. If that day comes and you've not received any feedback, then you go ahead and make your final decision because all you can do is ask. Right. You can't make somebody talk to you. And that resolved this issue where you know, I ask for feedback and he doesn't give me or she doesn't give it to me. And I wait and wait and then I ask again and I wait and wait and I ask again and then I get frustrated. Then I make the decision and then I get trouble.
1: Yes, that's the because bind. I didn't
0: yep. get his feedback. Right. It also brings to mind some of these platforms like our family wizard, or commonly known as OFW, where you do your co parent communication. And one of the features about it that I like is that it timestamps when your email has been read. Uh, Yes, And then lets you know, he or she read the email on Sunday night at 10 o'clock. So they can't come back and say, oh, I didn't see it. Or it must've gone into my spam folder. (laughs) Those kinds of excuses. Sometimes those platforms are worth it when you're dealing with somebody who likes to ignore or make excuses. So, Caroline, I want to say to you, use that language. Maybe you don't already have that in your parenting plan, but use that language in the email to him. I want to sign up our child for piano lessons and here's the teacher's name. Here's how much it costs per our court order. We're to split this 50 50 up to maybe a certain amount. And I need your decision by July 1st because she starts lessons up again in August and that's the sign-up date. And then if I don't get it by July 1st, then I will go ahead and make the decision without your feedback. And that doesn't mean you have to listen to his feedback or do everything he says, but I want to say maybe he will have a good feedback, right?
1: Right. You might what hear he, something. Yeah.
0: Right. If he comes back and says, Hey, well, actually my wife knows somebody who's a piano teacher is really, really good. And she Famous only charges teacher. this much. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or maybe. And she'll actually come to the home. Would you consider that? Yeah. So it's worth it to get feedback because your other co-parent may have other contacts or things that if you're working in the best interest of the child. Now we've talked about this and not putting on motives on somebody else. So even though you are pretty sure how they're going to respond, it's still worth it to read the feedback because it could be a (laughs) golden nugget in there that you've never thought about that would influence your decision. So it's just respectful to do it. Yes. And then also I think it's helpful to say to your kids, well, I asked your dad about it and he did give me feedback. And this was the decision that was made. You don't have to say we didn't agree or Mm -hmm. your dad's an idiot because he wouldn't answer me. No, you just it's. And if you do agree, it's great for the kids to hear, Hey, your dad and I spoke about this and we both thought this was a good idea. That gives your kids some sense of hope. Yep. (laughs) Mom and dad can talk about this and they can make good decisions for us, even though they can't stay married. Right. Right. Yes. That's very powerful to the child. All right. So, Carolina, hold on to this idea that you're going to be the best co-parent you can be and absolutely keep doing what you should be doing as a co-parent and follow the court order as well as you can. But add that little bit of language. Let go of the fact that he's still over it after five years. There's nothing you can do about that. And yes. Maybe kind of befriend his wife now that she's a new parent right? and see if you can get anything going there that might be a little bit friendlier. It might be worse. We never know. right? That could be an option, but let go of hoping that he'll do things differently. I mean, obviously we all hope he will go get some help, but don't you suggest he go get help? That won't go over very well. That will <laughs> no. go over like a lead balloon,
1: right? No, no. Yeah, you need help. No. <laughs> but <laughs> Don't
0: you do keep doing what you're doing as far as doing the right thing. And that modeling for your children will, will be very, very important. Yes. yes. Okay.
1: All Great right, question. everybody.
0: All right. Yep. We'll talk to you next
1: week. All right. See you later. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Hey, listeners, how would you like to become a non-impossible VIP? Well, it's easy. Just go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cpdilemmas. And Patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash cpdilemmas. You'll get a special invite to our monthly live Q&As with Rick and me, where you will have the opportunity to ask questions and get real-time advice. You'll also receive non-impossible merchandise credits through our Facebook page, as well as my book, The Co-Parent Toolbox, in an ebook version. If you're a professional who works with co-parents, becoming a VIP means a monthly mention on our show. So all of this is for only $10 a month. So get connected more personally through Patreon. Thanks for listening. If you received something valuable out of this episode, please let us know. That really helps us to know what's important to you. Or if you have a question about your co parent dilemma, please call our voicemail number at 1234dilemma. You can also email us at 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Or better yet, access us on our listener Facebook page where we engage in lots of discussion about what we say on these episodes. Just search Facebook for non impossibles. No matter how you communicate with us, if you don't feel comfortable using your real name, just let us know. We understand the information contained in this podcast is generic it must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice decisions relevant to any specific individual family system or case require the direct evaluation of skilled child-centered professionals